This is Day for Night with Caridad Svitch, a series that looks at the intersection between theater, poetry, in the edgelands, and the wilderness. In today's episode, I'm going to perhaps continue. No, I am. I'm not just perhaps. I'm going to continue. Uh, doing what I've been doing in a couple of past episodes, which is a reading from new material. Um, and uh, that is uh, not part of anything yet, or that may become part of something uh, in the future, and just putting it out of the world a little bit. Uh, not going to give much context on this, I'm just going to dive in. In the shuttered days, when we were both living in the suburbs. Imagine us living in the suburbs. You invited me to your house once. We hadn't spoken in a long time. Not since that party when we both kept our hands on each other and every single part of each other all night. Not since that day when we took that long drive down to the border in search of the best mezcal that would blow our minds. Called from the suburbs and said, Miss you, darling. Just like that, with those words, after years. I had half a mind to hang up on you. Remember the days of hanging up? Click. But the warmth of your voice was, it is. You are still here, even though we both feel like ghosts now. Listen, listen, I'm a... Miss you something terrible, he said. I got this house now. And I got this horse. Real horse out in the yard. Think you'd like to see it. Maybe we can take a ride. I could see their plaid shirt and jeans without seeing them. I could see their cracked smile without seeing it. I could hear the ache in their voice that always crept up. The beast of all days would get to them. Sure, would love to see you. Click. The thing about us poets, we bond. Because we know what it's like to bear the hurt of ages. When I was a child, sometimes I would look at the nuns. They lived in the convent next door. It was weird living near a convent because it made not being Catholic a very peculiar thing. Because they were right there, right next door. I liked the nuns. Even though I made like I was scared of them, they seemed to be okay with themselves, fierce and self-possessed. One of them would always say hello to me when I was standing in my front yard, all preening like Hello, the nuns said. Hello, too, I'd say. Are you studying, she'd say. Not now, I say. How about you get to studying, she'd say. It's too nice out, I'd say. One day, you will regret all the nice days, she said, walking away with the other nuns. At the time, I felt like getting up all in her face and giving her a piece of my mind. Like, when'd she get off saying something like that? But then, years later... Closer to now, but not now. I realized she was right. 
as I missed the nice days by doing nothing, while the world was on fire and is still on fire and one day will burn to a crisp. Cool, and that's some new writing that may or may not be, end up being part of something. Uh, we shall see. Uh, and then I'm thinking about rounding out today's episode with um, a piece that I've been uh, mulling about for a while. Uh, so I'm just going to pull it up for a second. It's a uh, from a short story uh, by the writer uh, Sterling, Holy White Mountain. It's a piece called Featherweight, beautiful short story that was published in the New Yorker uh, on April 5th, 2021. For those of you that are checking dates, I'm just gonna read the opening of this uh, piece. Again, it's called Featherweight, and the author is Sterling, Holy White Mountain. When I first met my love, I had been off my reservation for a little more than a year. I had become acculturated, we'll say, to university life, and willingly. I wanted to know what larger America was all about. I took on the aspect of a young dog. Everything was new to me. I had my nose up everyone's ass. First, there was Lana, then Julie, then a few other names I can't remember. And then there was Barbara. That should have been the name of grandmother, but in fact it belonged to a sweet thing who liked to call me her favorite Indian toy. I'll be whatever you want, I said, long as we keep knocking those boots, which we did, because she was young, almost too young for a guy more than a few years out of high school. She had the courage that belongs only to those who don't know that death is just down the block, waiting to introduce himself. As for me, I was not yet old enough to not feel young. According to the literature, I should have been well on my way to a fulfilling life of stability and money and houses or wherever. But she didn't know that. I was just finishing my gen eds, trying to stay awake, that sort of thing. I called her Barbie. I had always wanted to be with a doll. Barbie, I would say. Barbie, Barbie, oh, Barbie. She should have been the one. Me and her, 17 children of our own, adopt nine more, a farm next to a lake full of muskrats. Two rescue dogs, probably. Lana, Julie, Barbley. Their names were Mantrick. I knew reservation girls who had those names, but there was nothing new or special or fireworks about them. These ones? What a sight to behold. All that blonde hair walking across the U. Clarkson campus. I had no idea where it had come from. Inhaling from exotic lands such as Portland. They had a thing going, those white girls. I swear to you, for them, everything was power. 
Either they wanted to steal it from me or they wanted to wrest it from their tight and brutal fists. Relational theft and subterfuge, so to speak. Northern Plains people, though, it's all out in front for us. No secrets where I'm from. Fistfights and open hatred and telling someone straight out you want to fuck. That's why we're such failures in the white world. We can't keep our mouths shut about anything. All this behind-closed-doors-and-smile-to-your-face work doesn't vibe for us. Those girls, though, they were at war with themselves, and they didn't even know it. They wanted to wrestle on the spiritual banks of the American dream. They wanted revolutions. They wanted dream lives and dream marriages and dream families, and all I wanted was some ass. Or so I thought. I was a simple reservation boy. I always had a stalk of grass betwixt my lips. I squinted at the sky and commented in profound tones on the weather. Like a good tourist, I wanted to witness the best the big city had to offer. I went to parties and laughed in a genuine way with white boys, back slaps, tough handshakes, and big grins. I got stupid drunk and pressed my hands between the thighs of white girls in dimly lit alleys. All the truly worst kisses happen in such places. I always asked those girls to take me home. Sometimes I did. I wanted to see where they lived, almost as much as I wanted to see them naked. I wanted to get a feel for the glory of another kind of life. There were always something comfortable about those rooms, even when they were spare. Something plush as we flopped and rolled and groaned in the sheets. What a wonder the young are. The world is a conflagration, and they find nothing to do but play grab-ass. And that's an excerpt from the beginning of the short story, uh, Featherweight by Sterling Holy White Mountain. Uh, Again, it's in the New Yorker. Uh, issue April 5th, 2021. Uh, if you get a chance to read it, it's a beautiful short story. Uh, he's a remarkable writer, and uh, it's a pleasure to be able to read his words uh, and share them just a little bit. Amplify. What is that word? Amplify them in the world. So there you were. That's today's episode. Uh, as always, it's about you and I in this theater. You there in the dark, and I here wondering who you are. Thanks for listening to Day for Night.